All right. Episode 35 of KT Confidential. Welcome back. Thank you. We had a hiatus last week. We missed you. I missed you. Yes. I'm happy to be back. Are you enthusiastic about being back? I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm in a little, little, my mind is all over the place. Well, there's lots on the go. Yes. I don't even know what we were talking about today. In terms of what? This conversation was for the podcast. I know you had a question. I don't know. A question came in just a couple of days ago, and I said we would answer it on... Where did it come through? Instagram? Instagram. Uh, one of our followers DM'd us and had a pretty good question, something that I think has come up in the past. Uh, Jessica, uh, she says... I'll read it verbatim. Hey, guys, what's your thoughts and experience in options for a home that has baseboard heaters and no central air? We are new homeowners and purchased a townhome. We are deciding between putting in ductless AC heating units or doing central air. What are your thoughts and what's more cost effective? And a couple messages back and forth. She mentions it's an 1,800 square foot townhome in Mississauga. Mm. So, so condo townhouses, we see a lot of that where it's baseboard heat, baseboard, no central air, no central air. Yep. It's a hard question to answer directly because there's so many variables, like some houses you can retrofit central air and that might be the best option, but other houses, it may not be feasible, maybe cost prohibitive, prohibit, prohibitive because to run the ducks, you've got, you know, extensive work to be done. He's losing his mojo after being away for a week. No, no, I have not lost my mojo. You feeling okay? Yes, I am. You need to take a washroom break? No, I do not. <laughs> Definitely do not. I don't know. Um, you see, to me, it all depends on the situation and on how much money you have. Obviously, if, um, if you're going to put central air, central heat in, there's a lot of work required. So not only is the home capable of doing it without a huge teardown or big renovation that needs to happen to run your ducting and, and all of yeah. that. Well, I think the answer to the question is you need to get prices for all the, all the options. And then from there, you need to decide what can you afford. That's the beauty of doing those kind of things is a lot of the HVAC companies, as an example, will come out. And they will give you quotes and tell you, okay, here's what we recommend and here's what's it, what it's going to cost you. Always get two or three quotes. You compare it, you sit down, you figure out what's in your best, uh, in the best interest. Yeah. You to figure out what the cost will be to do it and what the cost will be to run it. And can you afford it? So radiant heating is actually way better than forced air in terms of uh, efficiency. And, um, I mean, electric, elect, electricity is the most expensive, um, energy that you're going to have, but the radiant heating type is very good. I'm totally out of it today, but like, there's a lot of homes now, like my might dad, not get many my dad, clips that my dad bought a house and it's only radiant in floor heating and that heats the whole house. And it doesn't dry out the air. Like forced air dries the air out. The winters are terrible, right? And pushes the dust around. <clears throat> yeah, it blows stuff around too. So radiant's a great form of heat if the source is efficient. So electricity, unfortunately, is not very efficient. Um, 
But there's so many options you have to look at. Your dad's system uses water? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Heated on by a propane, propane. tank? Yeah. 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 And they love it. So here's another question that I would have. And I guess it's pertaining to when you purchase that type of home. I'm curious how many people actually do their due diligence as to how much it costs to use baseboard heat. It's yeah. bloody expensive. Well, it can be. And that's another thing is there's like we've sold, uh, remember one house in particular um, we sold and it was baseboard heating, but they also had one, um, I think it was one gas fireplace and then ceiling fans on each level. And when he ran the gas fireplace and he had, um, made a vent above it so that the heat could go directly up to the second floor. Uh, that in itself almost heated the house pretty much sufficiently. How do, you do, how do you make a vent to go up to the second floor? Just drill a hole through? Just the... cut a hole, put a cover on both sides. Okay. Yeah. Would that pass code? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure it would. <laughs> I don't know. No, who's, who's going to come in and check? Yeah. But I can't imagine it wouldn't. Um but that, like, so we had a lot of people that were looking at that house and they were concerned, oh, electric baseboard heating, it's inefficient, it's going to cost too much money. Um, one, that system being in there is reflective in the purchase price. So they're paying less money to buy it, first of all. But there's more to the story. And that particular home, the homeowner hardly even used it. So we're not really answering this question other than saying, got to get the quotes. Yeah. Got to do the math. Correct. The other question then would become, did you actually run that heating in the colder months? So they just bought the home, so they don't even know what it would cost them. Well, they should have asked for bills, past heating bills, electric yeah, bills. Yeah, but even heating bills, is that going to give you your true cost? Because the previous owner may have had four people living in the house. Yeah, but it gives you a general two. idea. Ish. Oh, better than nothing. Like if you know there's two people living in the house, you're one person or three people or vice versa, whatever. At least you can see what they're using. I've seen bills for homes of that size, five, six hundred bucks a month for the baseboard heat. In the winter. In the winter. Okay. Well, November through March this year, this past year, you would have needed to heat the house fully. So half of the year. Yeah. Um, oh, my brother up in Huntsville, I think he was paying a thousand bucks a month. And he had a forced air electric furnace. So they converted it to propane. Mm -hmm. But the ductwork was already there, so it was easy. <clears throat> so I guess the only answer... You, we know you have a high consumption rate of everything from your excessive amounts of garbage to using dishwashers hey, you five times a day. You had a shit ton more garbage this week than I did. Okay, but... To be fair, I like decluttered my entire house. I was also gone for a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had five bags at the cottage. So it's you're right. It's all usage. So one person's usage may be way different from another. So I monitor actually with the Nest thermostat. I do monitor our usage for um, heat and AC quite quite a bit, and we're usually pretty good with it. I find it's tough to balance between floors. Like our basement yeah. right now is. You quite know what a bit I did colder. the other day? I think everyone has that problem. You know what I did the other day for when we had the party at my house? It was getting really hot, and my AC, the person that sold it to me, 
was a bit of a goof. He didn't educate me on what I should buy. So I bought a one and a half ton. You only have a one and a half ton AC? Yes. Ouch. So I should have bought a two ton. So I think they say a ton per thousand square feet or something like that. And I've got 2,000 square feet. Anyways, um, so I think it was like 23 degrees. I had it running all day. I, I turned it on first thing in the morning because I knew it wouldn't get down to the temperature I wanted, let alone maybe maintain it. And I had all my guests over and people were saying, man, it's fucking hot in here. So um, one person suggested I remove the filter. So I did, and within 10 minutes, it made, like, a huge difference, like, a significant difference, uh, just having that extra airflow. That's like, why I was sneezing all afternoon at your house. Could be. I put shitty filters in anyways. I don't know if it would have made a difference. But just taking that out, so if you're really struggling to get your temperature down in the in hot weather, whether it's because you got a bunch of people in the house or your AC just sucks. Who was it that suggested that? Brad. He done it at his house for something. And uh, just unrelated, just coincidentally re- removed it. And then like 10 minutes later, it was freezing. He's got a wealth of stupid information. Things that, yeah, most We got to have him on the podcast. I agree. We had this discussion. Cameron could not caption fast enough. You <laughs> <laughs> just won't Or people clips. couldn't read it, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so if anyone's out there and they find their AC is just not keeping up, remove the filter uh, and let it run for a bit. I don't take any responsibility if there's like a kid's <laughs> toy in your vents and it gets sucked into the fan though. But um, yeah, unbelievable. How cold is your basement right now? Freezing and I close all my vents. See, the problem is there's air seepage and leakage throughout the ducting. Uh, well, when my you house is your not an energy star home, so the ductwork is not taped off. When you finished your basement, what you should have done is gone and tape off all the corners and uh, any seams or any opportunities. They're just inefficient air. systems, period. That's why Radiant is so much better. Like, they should make these uh, forced air systems more high tech, where when the air comes out, it's like dispersed into like a hundred different small vents and each vent goes to a separate, separate room and each separate room has its own monitor and it can like turn flaps open and close flaps accordingly. So that's pretty sure that exists. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's out of most of our budget. Probably, (laughs) probably. Um, well, we also wanted to talk a little bit, so I, I don't know if that answered your question uh, completely, but there is no real answer. You just got to get the quotes, do your due diligence with professional companies when looking at those companies, get referrals, but also check their websites, their online reviews, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, um, maybe even call some of their past uh, clients or referrals, uh, meet with them. If you have a good gut feeling, um, oftentimes the person that's somewhere in the middle is the person that's going to offer you good value and good service. Um, you don't want the person that's undercutting everybody for that kind of work. You want to pay for good work. So do your due diligence, get some uh, some quotes, and uh, do the math, see what works for you guys. And if you're keeping the home for a longer period of time, you know maybe you break down that cost over the years you plan on being there. And then uh, if you're not planning on being there a long time, it may add some resale value. So you would want to talk to a... Just try to avoid renting the equipment. 
Yes, don't they'll rent try the to, A lot of companies will try to do that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how much that rent would be? A couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, well, we've had some where we sold. They had rented furnaces, air conditioners. I want to say something else. Well, you'd be installing. Well, water that. tank, water be, heater, AC furnace. It was like 250 You'd bucks. be installing a whole HVAC system from scratch. Yeah. So. And to buy that contract, that was probably $20,000. Yeah. Where you could buy it for half that if not less. So we wanted to talk about square footage because you this morning, Oh yes, you're going to go show, show a property. Yes. Which is 2,500 or just under 2,400 square feet. Just under 25. Just under 2,500 square feet. Yeah. So this listing, they've got it. So everybody knows they, you know, when a real estate agent lists a property, they select a bracket of a range for the square footage. So this particular home was 2,500 to 3,000. But within the first line of description, it says almost 2,500 square feet. So there's so many things to square footage. First of all, don't get caught up on it because one house that's 2,000 square feet but very well designed and makes great use of the space could feel much bigger than a 2,200 square foot home that's very choppy. Well, like your house is a great example. I think the, uh, the floor plan originally said it's 2,050, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... The the layout of it would be comparable to a lot of the 2,200, 2,300 square foot homes. I've mm-hmm. seen homes 22, 2,300 square feet that don't feel as big as your house. Yeah, I agree. Now, there's some where like the staircase is more centered in the home and chops up the living and kitchen area. So, Or you might have the space, but it's less usable space yeah. for actual functionality. Yeah, so don't get too caught up on that. Some people get it in their mind for whatever reason that they want to get a certain size. So be open-minded. But in this particular case, a lot of uh, realtors are misleading people. And I think it actually backfires because if you say, like some people, for example, this is a big one, some people will include the basement, a finished basement in that range that they give. So let's say it's a 2,000 square foot. Not supposed to do that. No, let's say it's a 2,000 square foot home with a finished basement and it's maybe got 600 square feet in the basement. So they choose 25 to 3,000. When people show up to the house, they're let down because it's significantly smaller than what they were expecting, right? Versus choosing the appropriate size and maybe them being impressed. Like it's a completely different experience from a buyer's perspective. Look, people aren't stupid. Yeah, you can't trick them. Why? So here's the other thing. Why aren't all listings required to have the exact square footage of that property? So with our listings, each and every one gets a customized professional floor plan. There's a floor plan technician on our team that goes out, measures, like literally measures every single room in the entire house, finished and unfinished spaces, and we get the exact square footage of that specific property. Why isn't this common practice? It should be required. It's not that expensive. It's not cheap, but it's well, not it's expensive. A few hundred bucks. Yeah. In, Depending in, on the size in, of the house. In, in the big scheme of what a seller pays to sell their it's, home. No, it's it's, it's pennies it's a, it's compared small to cost. what's being spent. Yeah. And buyers should not be deceived, should not be tricked, 
it should be disclosed. If you see a listing and you see the pictures of the house and you like it, you should be able to look in the listing and know this home is 1,850 square feet or whatever the square footage is. It should be disclosed. It should be transparent. I agree. And if your home is 2,490 square feet, it's not 2,500 to 3,000 square feet. Sorry. Check the box, 2,000 to 2,500. And if you're going to include the square footage of the basement, do it in two separate brackets. Say the home is 1,850 square feet, but 2,300 square feet of fully finished space, or add that extra 450 square feet or 500 square feet, whatever, uh, in a bracket that says plus another 500 square feet in the finished basement. Yeah. It pisses a lot of people off. Well, and, but you, you it will, really frustrates people. You will get some sellers who say, I want to do it this way, right? Like, I finished my basement. There's 3,000 square feet. I want to advertise there's 3,000 square feet. Well, sorry, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, that's not how it works. And it would be to not to the detriment of your sale, but possibly it would, you know, it would have a negative effect by making people come into the house thinking it's that big and misleading them. They're going to come in and be disappointed. You know, oftentimes, I don't know if you notice this or or if many people even think about it. The listings that the square footage is either not represented in the listing or misrepresented in the listing, mm -hmm. those are usually the homes that are overpriced and stay on the market too long. Well, sure. I mean, anybody that shortcuts or makes mistakes is bound to do poorly. I mean, I'm sure if you look at that particular listing, there's probably tons of problems with it. In fact, that one I'm talking about, which happened to be a lease, not a listing for sale, but there were seven pictures, probably taken with a phone. So where you see one thing like that, usually other shortcuts exist. I don't understand again why. And there's no picture of the outside, just saying. Yeah, well, if you're taking photos with your phone, at least take a photo of the outside. Even if you don't want to get out of your car and include a little <laughs> oh bit of the window God, frame. Please, please don't do it. Don't do it. Cost cost 100 to 150 bucks to get photos for a lease. Yeah. Because you you only need maybe a dozen to 20 photos. You're not. Well, and you only need to do it once when you go, you know, hopefully you've earned that client's business indefinitely and next year or the year after when you relist it, you don't have to spend the money again. Yeah, use the same photos. So, what else do you want to chat about today? Um, well, I had a client call me. Good client, really good client. And they uh, actually today, they booked an appointment to go see a house tonight with the listing realtor. And he called me to let me know. He said, I'll, I'll call you afterwards. I'll let you know how it goes. So, you know, even though we are big advocates. So in this case, he didn't want to bother you or? I didn't ask. I said, well, don't waste this time. I'll take you. And he said, okay, cool. And I called the realtor and he was really disappointed. But nevertheless, I've got an appointment now at six o'clock to show the house. Um, but even though, you know, we are big advocates and preach this to people, both on social and directly to our client base, 
and our, you know, when we're actively working with people too, is we want you to call us. We don't, you know, you shouldn't be Never calling. inconveniencing anybody. Never, ever. Even if, I'll give another example. Recently, yesterday, somebody texted me. It's like, I've been watching this house for a while. It had sold. And this, he didn't know. It sold like the day before. So if you're casually looking at a house, let your realtor know. Right. Maybe they can get you some inside information on it. Maybe they happen to be going to see it tomorrow anyways, and they can take you along. It's not an inconvenience. So um, always just send a message, text, whatever. Um, This particular realtor said to our client, it would be advantageous for him to double end the deal. So. So many things wrong with that. Advantageous for the listing agent? Well, I don't know. Listing agent or the buyer, I don't know. Because it's certainly advantageous for... So, well, well, there's so many things wrong with that. One, it's, it's, that's very unprofessional. Two, like using all this jargon and, you know, real estate double lingo, end. double end. Like, so for those that don't like know what a double-ended deal is. Yeah. I've ever heard it. <laughs> You've been going on down that road a little bit yeah. too much lately. The double, yeah, you and your wife come for, by, I'll double-end it. <laughs> for those of you... That don't know what a double-ended deal is in real estate. It's when the listing agent represents both the seller well, and the buyer. Technically. It doesn't have to represent. It's also just, referred to as multiple representation, but technically. doesn't have to be a multiple representation necessarily. Well, I guess it would be. Yeah, but, it always would be. But technically, it's when anyone from the brokerage is representing both parties. Yes, the brokerage, quote unquote, would double end it. But right, the, but this generally is, this speaking, this is referring to the individual this is agent. When it's one specific realtor, yes. So, from our perspective, we will not allow that to happen on our team. So, unless there's extenuating circumstances, we've done it. We have, yes, but not if we have the option. We do it, but we do it right. Well, we do, and it we r- don't tell people there's any kind of advantage because there really isn't. No, in terms there's of not. A financial standpoint, everybody gets paid the same. A hundred percent. But but what this guy is saying, the underlying tone is that you're going to get a better deal, right. By dealing with me directly, right. So who does this guy represent? The seller. Whose interest is he going to represent? Well, here's another thing. When he met with the his client is the seller. Well, and there's, he's invested ten thousand bucks. There's other brokerages that advertise one oh, percent, you know, commission, you know, as low as, and that's if they represent both parties. So people go out there and and do and express this as their promotion, whatever. But if, you, if you've had that conversation as a realtor with your client who's the seller and say, hey, if I represent both parties, I'll give you a discount, then the buyer approaches you. What's the first thing they want? Oh, if I work with you, I get a discount? Like, who's getting the deal? I don't think either party's getting a deal. I think the realtor's getting a deal. Yeah, I mean, there are ways of doing it right, but at the end of the day... The losers are the seller and buyer once the commissions start getting negotiated. You need to have, as a seller, I believe, you need to have somebody representing you and your best interest, and that's why you hire a listing agent that you believe will get the job done. Whoever it is, whoever you choose, however you do your due diligence, whatever. Now, 
So let's just say in this case for, for your clients that you're taking out tonight where the listing agent made that comment, whose interests is this guy going to look after after making that kind of comment? You as a buyer, would you feel comfortable moving forward being quote unquote represented now? How much is the home? 1.6. A one and a half million dollar home. Would you feel comfortable being represented by somebody that just said, I'll represent you too, and I'll cut you a deal, basically? Right. Now, from the seller's standpoint, is this guy going to be the guy that's going to get me $1.6 or more? Or is this the guy that's going to accept, tell me to accept an offer for $1.52 so he can put a deal together? I see it happen all the time. Whenever the same realtor is representing both parties, there's always, more than often, there's something questionable that happens. I had a really good client buy a seven-figure home through, and this is somebody I was working with for years looking for a house, buy a house, and they paid full price and dealt with the listing realtor, and um and they felt they got a good deal and and that realtor said well if you get your person involved we can't give you the same deal they pulled paid the full price i did a market analysis afterwards they way overpaid way like could have saved them probably 50 grand um so it's you just have to stay away from it that's a salesperson's job is to convince you of something convince you to buy it they're going to say what they need to put money in their pockets yeah, and, but that's and make a deal a happen. Of the code of ethics and a lot of... The, well, uh, so many uh, industries have unethical people, uh, including real estate. That's true. And and it's, it's tough. I mean, we have represented both parties several times this year. Um, but but we, we, the, the thing that we try to do is avoid having the same person do it. Absolutely. We will not now have the same person. I won't represent the uh, listing agent or the, uh, the the seller and the buyer. Right. Um, one of those parties. So if I've, if I've listed the property, the buyer will be represented by somebody else on our team. We don't disclose information to each other. We don't share information. It's completely separate unless those clients have authorized us to say something or do something. Um, in the big picture, that is still considered multiple representation because we all work for the same brokerage. Um, but there is a degree of separation and a degree of loyalty and, and, and duty of care that goes to each of those clients. So when, when our team is in that situation, both parties are still getting a proper consultation, a proper sit down and review of all the documents, a proper market analysis, um, a proper review and discussion of what an offer should and could look like, um, and that information isn't shared. In this case, this gentleman um, probably would have just spilled his beans to both parties to put a deal together. That's how my gut tells me, and I've I've seen it before. So you got to be um, as uh, as a consumer. There's a lot of things that you have to be aware of. We talk about square footage and that being shady. Talk about listing agents and, um, you know, potentially disclosing information or whatever that they shouldn't and, and trying to force somebody to deal with them. 
so these are things that you know you really got to be careful with as a as a consumer do your due diligence uh, go on to the uh, the websites like uh, the real estate um, council website rico uh, rico.on.ca a lot of information there on how to protect yourself um, talk to reputable um, realtors and, and brokers that um, handle things properly yeah well your best bet is to find somebody that you trust and work with them exclusively um, you had a few days away I had a little bit of time away the team kicked ass while we were gone the market is pretty good. Yeah, June is a busy month. June is very, very busy. July, we've got a fair bit on the go. The yes. market's doing really well. I think we're going to, you know, it goes up, it goes down. You were pretty lucky for the first quite a few years on, on your home. So you got to pay it back a bit. Um, but this is a good time. This is a good time to get into the market. Um, a little bit more of a buyer's market, I would say, in this time of year because the active listings i don't know about that because look at a couple of our listings like we've had multiple offers yeah but yes and people like waiting anxiously to find out if deals are going to stick or come available again okay so when i say it's a good buyer's market it's a good buyer's market if you are patient to find the deals because let's face it Okay, there's some realtors and some teams, and I classify us at, not to pound the chest, but our homes are represented very well. They look great. They're clean. They're beautifully staged. They're well marketed. You walk into our homes, you feel good. You want to buy it. A lot of the homes on the market don't look good. Those are the ones you might get a deal on. Right. And there's a lot of those homes on the market right now. The ad average inventory is quite high in Halton and Peel region, as opposed to what it was last year, the year before, the year before that. So active listings are higher. It does sway the buyer movement a little bit, but that goes to your point and, and combine mine a little bit. If you have a great realtor, you are going to capitalize on the market, but all in all, it's, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a very good summer I think for real so. estate. I think so. I see a lot of, uh, trends right now as well with people actually spending money on their home. Do you notice that? Yeah. More renos. Yeah. A lot of contractors are hard to get a hold of. Very, very difficult. Busy. Very difficult to nail down a good contractor. <clears throat> yeah. You're out of it today. I'm very out of it. But keep going. Can. How was your vacation? Can. How was your vacation? You were at your cottage. I'm, First, maybe I'm just done with that conversation. Yeah. But tell me about, so uh, you were away for a week. How did you feel refreshed? Was it good? a good enough amount of time away uh, no, from us? Or? No, 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 no. And the problem is, and I don't know what the fuck somebody, how does somebody not come up with a vacation alert out of I office know. for text messages? Like, hello, Apple. Why can we not set an out of office for iMessage? This is bullshit. Every single day I had, I don't know how many text messages from people. And I can't text message my whole database to say I'm I'm away. Uh, what I, well, is there an You probably could. Is somehow. There, is there an I option? have no idea. I don't know. I don't have my have whole no database idea. in the phone. It's all in our CRM. I have no idea. But... But it's such a Anyways, simple function. It, uh, agents texting me, 
right? My name's on all of our listings. They're texting me. I've got clients texting me. I've got people in my database texting me. Uh, nobody from here bugged me because everybody knows I'm away. And the few people that uh, I'm working with closely right now, they all knew I was away. And, you know, they, the rest of you guys took care of it for the most part. Yeah, but, but you can set your phone. But every day, 10, you 15 Your texts. voicemail. Yeah. And your email yeah. out of office. But you can't do it on your text. But you can't do it on So I was, I was disturbed a little bit because, um, you know, I got to have my phone with me now for photos and, and still posting things on uh, music, uh, music whatever. social, you have yeah. your phone with you and we have Wi-Fi at the cottage. So I don't put it on airplane. I almost feel like, like I need that. two phones because of that. <clears throat> and, and you know, if you don't respond to the text, what does that person think? I don't know. There's different people will say different things. We feel that way because we're workaholics and we always want to make sure people are taken care of. But what if somebody needs something or has an, an, then, needs an answer? So the argument something. from somebody that doesn't think the same way we do is then is that, oh, well, they'll call you in 10 minutes or half an hour or two hours or a day when they don't get a response. And then they'll hear your voicemail. And so, then they'll be like, oh, he's away. Here's the funny part. I updated my voicemail. First thing I say in my voicemail, out of, out of office alert. That's what you say? That's what I say. Out of office alert. Hi, my name is Ariel. Thanks for leaving a message. Yes. I'm away for the day. <laughs> yes, because I know. It's a good idea. I know from experience. People zone it. They don't pay attention to what you're saying. Right. I got text messages from people that called me, left me a voicemail, and then text mess texted me after they left me a voicemail. So you should call, you should text up. them back and say, call me back and listen to my voicemail. Right. <laughs> anyway, annoying. the vacation was good. It was our first time up uh, up to the cottage uh, as a family. This year. Yeah. yeah really, um, first, first time up. I, I won't count our uh, six hours there. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, having a cottage, especially with young kids... And having a, a home and a business and, and then, you know, you have the cottage on top of it. It's a lot of upkeep. It's a lot of work. Um, when you set it up in the beginning of the season for using it the rest of the summer, um, you got to take a lot of shit up with you. You know, uh, I spend so much money just going up there, like between food and and beverages and, um, you know, you always need the odd thing there and then you got to do some maintenance stuff. Like I needed a leaf blower. I had to buy a leaf blower. Uh, yeah, but then you own it forever. Forever. My ass. I, if a leaf blower will last you five, six years, you're lucky. Um, and then you buy, you know, I stock up on some of the beverages we like. So I bought a bottle of vodka. I bought a few bottles of wine, some beer, some coolers. You know, somebody stops by, the neighbor comes over, you know, handing some drinks out or whatever. Um, and then I find also you get hungrier there. Not Maybe not oh, to have such a big meal. because you're out in the sun. And yeah, but you're active. You're out in the sun. You're swimming. You're doing this and that. So you're, you're munching a lot. Um, so you got to stock up on all the foods, right? Especially with the kids. So first few days there, it was all about just setting everything up, unpacking and doing all that stuff. Um, shit ton of bugs. Yeah, well. Got eaten alive. June up north right now. Black flies. Yeah. It should be okay now. Everywhere. Yeah. You probably caught it right at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything's pushed back up north about two weeks. 
at least because of the um, the lakes being frozen and just a lot of water that, uh, well, the flooding and everything that happened in, in Muskoka and, and the surrounding areas. So um, that that definitely plays an effect. But uh, yeah, the last few, few days, last uh, two, three days that we were there, uh, it was beautiful. It was stupid hot. That's I don't know funny how hot because it was you, even here. It was, Alicia was telling me that you were concerned because the forecast was rain. Yeah. So yeah. you never, you never know. Well, well, when we left, the uh, weather network had forecasted that three or four of the days that we were there were going to be thunderstorms. Right. And I think we had maybe all week a half an hour of rain. Nice. Um, but yeah, the last three days were stupid hot. We managed to get the kids in the water, go for a swim. Um, I don't have much else to do there yet. Kids are still too small for that, but um, it was good. I love being up north. Just give them some bubbles and they'll run around for five hours. Yeah, like at, uh, at your daughter's party. Yeah, they're easy to entertain. You just have to keep an eye on them. That's the challenge, especially with our property because there's so many places they can go and steps and, you know, waterfront, uh, long dock. Mm-hmm. You just got to be... Be careful, but we roasted marshmallows. We had a little little fire and went out on the uh, pedal boat. And nice. Well, we're happy to have you back, Thanks. so that I can go. You, you're, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going away uh, shortly. Yeah, just for a week up north. Same family cottage. Yeah, looking forward to it. We're gonna try and overlap so we can see you guys up there. Oh, right. Is that this time? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Depends what's going on here. Right. That'd be nice. Yeah. We'll have to do that. Cool. Have you been up to your uh, brother and sister's cottage? The new one? No. Brother and sister-in-law's? No. They're close by, though, so we, I think... 12 minutes from um, Saturday? I don't know. I think they've probably got renters in there. I think they're pretty booked up, so I don't know if we'll get a chance to. But um, they are... Every year, Brad does a guys weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. In the past, it's always been at the other cottage, but it may be at the new one this time. So maybe then I'll get a chance. Usually do that, I think, in October. It's usually pretty cool, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. October is a great time to be up north. Yeah, it's so so nice. There's like virtually no bugs. Um, It's comfortable. Hang out around the fire. Dress accordingly. It's good. Do you have any goals for July? Um, We talked about goals in our sales meeting this month. Yeah. This morning. I've been off track of my normal routine um, because of a few things in life. But uh, like I haven't been to the gym in a good month. Um, my sleeping habits are off. My eating's not bad. Um, but those are two things I really want to get back into. Just getting back into having the proper routine, waking up at a good time and having some more consistency, especially in my morning. Uh, and then yesterday, I uh, spent the day, we only had one of the girls, so Tessa was having a sleepover, so we had just McKenna, so we spent the day doing some work around the house, and that was nice, that was actually very satisfying, I enjoyed that, we cleaned up a ton of stuff, um, and put up some planters. Your planters on your front porch look awesome. Thank you. As most people will look at it and say, oh, you put a screw in the ceiling and hung a basket. But it was actually really involved. I had to take all the siding down and add some reinforcement because there was really nothing there to mount the screws, the hooks into. 
So I did that, put it all back together, it looks good. And I was able to mount them perfectly center in the spot that I wanted to. Um, there is a difference between just hanging them or doing it right. Yeah, like I could have hung them really like good. six inches further forward, but it wouldn't have been symmetrical. It would yeah. have bothered me. Uh, but anyway, so I found that good. So I just want to get into the habit of having better routines, uh, doing things in my off time that are more productive. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm focusing on for July. Did like a spring cleanup in the summer. Yes, a little bit late, but I mean, our house, we're really good. Like we don't you collect a lot, lot of shit. Oh yeah. I can't stand having stuff around the house and the garage was getting here. Cheap. You don't mind, but at home, it's not bad here. It's not bad, but no, I don't like keeping stuff around the house. So like there's stuff I found yesterday that some people would say, oh yeah, keep that. I'm like, no, I haven't used it in a year. It's going in the trash or, you know, donate it or sell it or whatever. Um, but yeah, now I walk in my garage and it's. It's much less chaotic. So it's a good feeling. You? July goals? Oh, man. Uh, one of them is my garage. Have you seen my garage? No. You've told me about it, though. Oh, my God. Can you park in it? Well, James stopped by from Mint Garage. He stopped by uh, to thank us, brought us some... Uh, oh, I saw that beer. Yeah, brought us some Stella's, and uh, he's going to come on the podcast yeah. Uh, soon. Uh, I'm going to get him into the into the garage and give me an idea of what he wants to do in there and what he can do and all that. So I got to clear it out. There's a ton of stuff to clear out. If I get that done this month, that's a great personal goal. It'll take me the whole month to do it probably. Can you park a car in there? At this moment, no. But uh, very easy to put one car in on, okay. on, the, um, on the full driveway side. Right. On the side where I park. It's full? It's full. Okay. And it's got that dishwasher that I don't know if we're going to move it to. Uh, yeah, I think we should. To the property we bought uh, or not. But um, anyways, um, I've got airplane parts. I've got uh, several ladders, a um, whole bunch of stuff that when we bought the cottage, I brought it and stored it in the garage uh, to resell it. I just haven't resold a lot of it yet. I I. I think I'm up to about 1500 bucks of stuff that I sold from, from there. Um, but there's still a shit ton of stuff, but going to get the epoxy floor or something, uh, epoxy floor or something equivalent. Going to do the. One of our clients had it done by James. Yeah. Uh, Jason. Marimla? No, Tongue. Tongue. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He should send me a picture. It's nice. I'll have to go and see it. Yeah. Looks good. He's in Brampton. Yeah. And I think it's a worthwhile investment. It makes it easier to clean. It looks way better. Yeah. We've talked about that in past podcasts. So that's one of my goals this month. Um, other goal is for just the team to hit the team target. Yeah. I, we're running goal. smooth. I feel like we're running on all cylinders and smoothly and everybody's got a lot on the go. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a good summer, a good year. We, we've trained everybody very well that yeah. you and I can leave for a week and doesn't miss a beat, Yeah, um, which is great for our clients too. I really have that confidence now that any client that comes into contact with anybody on the team. Well, here's something. So I don't know how people can work with somebody that's not supported by a team. Well, like I had a call recently by from somebody who wanted to see one of our listings. And there was actually an article I read about the same scenario. And um, somebody calls... How long have we been running? Somebody calls a listing agent 
and they they have their own realtor, but their realtor's on vacation or they're busy, whatever's going on. So their realtor can't help them go look at this particular home. So this prospective buyer calls the real estate agent that's listing it and says, can you take me? The listing agent says no, in nicer words, but no, unable to. Um, you know, reason being, it's a conflict of interest. And legally, there's a problem there because you are represented by somebody else. I can't really talk to you, period, let alone bring you to this house. And that realtor you're working with, if in their absence, they should have set you up with someone else in their brokerage because you're signed with their brokerage. So uh, if you're working with an individual that's only working on their own and they tell you they're going away, make sure they've made arrangements with one, two or three other people to support you while they're away. And make sure you have phone numbers, emails. I don't know how an individual realtor will survive or properly cater to their clients in this day and age, because even if you are not on vacation, but some listing presentations can take two to three hours. What happens in that window if somebody needs to get a hold of you? Uh, what happens if you're sick? What happens if you take a day off because it's your daughter's recital? Uh I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to do it on, I mean, I'd be able to do it on my own. I just wouldn't be doing it at this level. No, not at all. And, um, you know, I, to the point where now I'm confident that anybody, anybody in our office. Um, well, and there's many reasons that we, I, I would uh, just take a random person to see a listing. One, for safety of all of our team. I don't recommend anyone to go with a stranger to a vacant house without meeting them and qualifying them first, yep. knowing who they're going with. Um, so that's a big one. And also inconveniencing our clients. Like, why would I take a random person to go see a house, kick our clients and their kids and their dog out of the house for two hours while we inconvenience them to bring an unqualified person I've never met through the house. So it doesn't do anyone any favors. Yep. So people need to make sure that if they are actively looking for a house, especially this time of year when people are taking vacations, have somebody to back you up or back your realtor up. And if you are that realtor, shame on you if you haven't taken that initiative yeah. to buddy up with somebody in the brokerage. And even some brokerage managers will help out or find somebody to help out. So, um, but you know, a lot of no-name brokerages or mom and pop work out of the basement shop kind of realtors, um, they're not part of that bigger bigger picture, that bigger organization where they don't no, have that well, leverage. The, so I think that's the problem with... And those are the ones that are usually discounting their... their. Well, this is, I think this is the problem with the industry is most brokerages are recruiting agencies just bringing people on board to f make numbers and pump out houses. They don't care what their day-to-day -day activities look like. Sure as hell, they're not going to step up to the plate to help a client when they need to. So just be cautious of who you're hiring. On that note... I think we're done here. Episode 35. Where are my cameras going? I can imagine why. <laughs> <laughs>